listening to the sound of my voice. It's having a great day, a great week, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good night, whatever time it may be. I thank you for joining on this edition of All In, All Out. Now, <clears throat> before we get started with today's episode, I do need to apologize in advance of this episode because as of right now, I'm currently battling and overcome, overcoming a, a common cold. And throughout this episode, you may hear me cough. It's a very loud cough. I can't necessarily control it. But I'm healed in the name of Jesus. By his stripes, I was healed, hence past tense, so I'm already healed. I just am waiting for the manifestation. But the show must go on. Now, first topic of the day. And for this episode, it's going to be on the basis of NBA news. But we got some life lessons in today's episode. So, first topic. Let's get into the NBA 18 years old eligibility news. So, a while ago, not too long, sometime early in this month, the NBA, specifically the NBPA, the National Basketball Players Association, and the CBA, which stands for Collective Bargaining Agreement, they have discussed the possibility of allowing 18-year-olds to once again be draft eligible. Now, for those who know their NBA basketball history, back, I believe, around 2005, Former Commissioner David Stern implemented a rule where any player would need to do at least one year of college or play overseas for one year. Now, this rule originated officially because... A lot of owners, no, not a lot, but there would be owners who would draft 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, young cats straight out of high school, and some of them wouldn't be NBA ready. Some of them wouldn't have the skills to play professionally yet. But those owners, those general managers, were banking on one word, potential. And there were veteran players, many veteran players, who were upset by this fact because the 32-year-old veteran were obviously better than a 17, 18, 19-year-old rookie. But because these owners were banking on potential, you know, the I believe the Tyson Chandlers, the Sebastian Telfairs, the I believe J.R. Smith came out of high school as well. Those owners were banking on the potential. And those veteran players were like, you know, what the heck? I'm better than this dude. He's taking my roster spot strictly for potential. That's BS. But here's my opinion on why that actually happened. When that rule implemented. For one word. Money. Now here's why I say that. The NBA and the NCAA most likely mean that 
under the table agreement to say, look, at least make a rule for these star players to play one year college. Not so much for the regular season, but for March Madness. Because let's face it, for most people out there, they probably don't give a damn about the regular season. Unless they are a fanatic for one of the college teams. Uh, I know one of my closest teammates back in the day, he was a huge Kentucky Wildcats fan. And maybe still is. And just focused strictly on the Kentucky Wildcats. And of course, he likely kept up with the basics of the NCAA regular season. But his main focus was the Kentucky Wildcats. And as the years went on, the NCAA wasn't getting those star players, those cats straight from high school. Because remember, even Dwight Howard came straight out of high school. LeBron James came straight out of high school. Carmelo Anthony only did one year of college. So I believe the NCAA and the NBA made an under-table agreement to say, look, make it to where these star players at least do a year. Because here's the thing. A March Madness, there will be a lot of eyes on it, obviously. And still to this day, because of gambling. That one and done, the hype. That's why the NFL is such a prominent league. Because of in the playoffs, you got one shot. You know? In the NBA, the major leagues, it's a series. It's a seven-game series. Back then, for the NBA, for the first round, I believe it was a series of three. And then went up to a series of five. And now, throughout the first round, the semifinals, the conference finals, the NBA finals, all seven games, strictly because of money. And plus, with March Madness, they get exposure, major exposure. So now they can bring that popularity to the NBA. And now the NBA can profit off that stepping stone, which is the NCAA. Oh, that's that's my opinion why that rule was implemented in the first place. Now, it will likely take less than two years for that to even happen because the the, the official collective bargaining agreement, which was implemented back in, I believe, 2011-2012, that's when the Miami Heat won the finals against OKC, and there was actually a lockout season for y'all that may not remember. And man, that was a great time for pickup basketball. You know, Kobe Bryant and James Harden playing in the Drew League. There was that one mixtape with LeBron versus Kevin Durant. Oh my gosh. If y'all haven't seen that mixtape of LeBron versus KD in the Drew League, for y'all basketball heads, y'all gotta watch that. In the beginning of the the mixtape, it's LeBron versus KD one on one, and the crowd just stand up on their feet because it was such a hype. And for those who don't remember, during that time, you know LeBron was in the league. For nine years up until that point. And KD was in the league for four years. Because he entered in 2007. Oh, KD was another one. I believe he only did one year at Texas. And there was talk about, you know, if KD is going to pass LeBron. KD was balling, man. He was balling. And 
<clears throat> there was a lot of talk about that at that time. You know, it's crazy to think now that, in my opinion, Kevin Durant has never surpassed LeBron James. I don't give a damn what anybody says. Here's why. Here's why. Because LeBron, pound for pound, has outperformed Kevin Durant whenever they have gone head to head. And some people may want to say, oh, KD's a better shooter. You know what? I'd rather have a better score than a better shooter. And their career averages aren't that far off in terms of points. And when they went head-to-head in the finals, KD had a stacked team. LeBron literally had Kyrie Irving, which I'm not going to get into him about that, and Kevin Love. Kevin Love, really? I get it. He averaged 26-plus points per game one year in Minnesota. But let's not act like... Kevin Love was the white Kevin Garnett. Okay, stop it. KD had probably the greatest shooter of all time, Steph Curry. Definitely one of the greatest shooters of all time, Klay Thompson. Draymond Green, which in my opinion, he's overrated. But for that Golden State team, he's very, very valuable and a very good player. And (laughs) Kevin Durant. Is definitely a top three player at that point, but that's I just want to get that out there. So to go back to the CBA, the official contract ain't gonna end until 2023-2024 NBA season, but there can be a mutual opt-out after this upcoming season. So if both sides decide that hey, let's just get out of this contract early and let's start the negotiations so we can prevent another lockout season. They can do that. They can definitely do that. But, man, let me tell you, all these owners are going to go hard on the players because of this, quote, unquote, load management. You know what? It's a bunch of crap, this load management. I remember <clears throat> I was talking with one guy. I don't remember the guy's name. I have a feeling it was one of my cousins. And we were talking about how these players get paid millions, millions upon millions of dollars just to shoot a basketball. Now, even though in the broad sense of things, that's not what all basketball players do, but to if, if we were to summarize what they do, that's pretty much it. That, that's, without a doubt, pretty much what they do. <clears throat> that's all they do is play 82 games in the regular season, and they make the playoffs, then they play at maximum four games, guaranteed. But now they implemented the NBA this this playing tournament crap, which I, I I don't like. From a competitive standpoint, I don't like it because again, those players, those teams had eighty two games to make one of the eight spots for their respective conference. And now you're telling me that if you're between the seventh seed and I believe it's the tenth seed, you need to play in a playing tournament to have those final two seventh and eighth seed spots? Are you kidding me? That's a bunch of nonsense. Now, it was good for that pandemic season. Because the season was cut short and there were teams, I believe the Blazers were one of them, who were like a ninth seed or a 10th seed who could have potentially be in that 8th or 7th spot. 
So I agreed with that for that time. But now it's complete nonsense. They, those players have 82 games to make one of the eight spots. And yet they need a play-in tournament. It's just a money grab. Plain and simple. But to go back to the load management, those owners are going to go hard on the NBA players because there's got to be some incentive, man, to stop those players from resting. That's basically what it is. There ain't no load management. It's called taking games off. It's called resting. Plain and simple. You know, what happened to the days where Michael Jordan, at the age of 40 years old, playing with the Washington Wizards, played all 82 games? What happened to those days? What happened to the days where playing 82 games was a badge of honor? What happened to those days? People want to play 55 games, 60 games, 70 games. What? It don't make no damn sense. Cause literally, they're playing basketball. Now I get it. Players get hurt. I got it. But if you're, my mindset is, if you are healthy to play, you play. Because those, because there are fans and there are people out there who pay the hard-earned money to go watch you play. Oh, well, not you, but watch the NBA players perform and showcase their basketball skills. You know, I, I remember one Christmas season where the Cleveland Cavaliers were supposed to play the, well, they ended up playing the Memphis Grizzlies. They scheduled to play the Memphis Grizzlies. And for those who don't know, if you're an East Coast team facing a West Coast team, respectively, the team the team is going to go to the opponent's home court one time. One time only. So for those fans, for those young kids in Memphis, that was the only time they were going to see LeBron James. And for a lot of them, it was probably their Christmas gift. But you know what LeBron does? He didn't. Not only he didn't play, but he didn't show up. He demanded he even show up. Now, to me, that's false advertising. Cause I'm not, that he because he wasn't hurt. And if I was though, if I were those fans, I would have demanded my money back. Because. When, when when you're a business and you're advertising for something or you're advertising something and what you expect doesn't happen and it's nothing that is purposely done to not happen. Because if LeBron was hurt, okay, it happens, whatever. Even though he still could show up to an arena... Hey, it happens. But if you're healthy to play and you're getting paid millions of dollars to play a damn basketball game, you do it. No matter what. If I if I were the owners, here's what I would do. I would guarantee the contracts. But if they wanted to rest for a game, just deduct the paycheck. Treat it like a regular job. Two-week vacation. And if you use up all of your vacation hours, you just don't get paid. You don't get paid. Simple as that. No matter the circumstances. And I would, personally, if I were an owner, I would go even further. I wouldn't guarantee a damn thing. Don't treat it like a regular job. Because the problem with today's players is the money. Not that they are receiving the money because because of television deals and endorsements. They're getting a, a whole lot of money. 
know, the days of <laughs> being an NBA player for one season and then during the summer working at Home Depot, those days are over. <laughs> you know, Im imagine <laughs> Kevin Garnett working at Lowe's and <laughs> his colleague asked, asked KG, hey, I know this is the part-time job. What's your full-time job? Oh, I'm a power forward for the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> you imagine that? But you see, that's how it was back in the day, like the 70s and the 80s. But here's the reason why I want to discuss on the potential of 18-year-olds once again being eligible for the draft. It shouldn't have happened in the first place because it was unconstitutional. How the hell can young men and women go into the military, the Navy, the Air Force at 18 years old, but yet basketball players who are talented enough potentially to play in the NBA are allowed to do that. Straight up unconstitutional. We, 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 we wouldn't tell a pianist who has amazing skill at the age of 12 or 13 and say, no, you gotta wait till 18 before you can perform on stage, on a major stage, go to live concerts. We don't tell singers like Selena Gomez, Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I what was the other one? Miranda Cosgrove, I believe, had some music. We don't tell those teenagers at that time for Disney Channel and Nickelodeon respectively. No, no. And for acting as well. No, you're too young for acting. No, no, you got to wait till you're 18. No, we don't do that for them. Oh, but for the NBA players. Oh, you got to wait until you're 18. How hypocritical is that? Why? why? Why was that even allowed in the first place? I have a huge, I had a huge problem with that. I'd never agree with that. How are you going to force somebody to go to school basically for one semester because basketball is in the winter and as long as they perform well in the fall, fall semester, then they'll be good to go. How are you going to force somebody to go to college for one year? What are you, what, most people ain't going to learn jack in one year. Unless they truly are focusing on the academics of that school. Like with me, I went to Sacred Heart University for one year and I transferred to Southern where that's my alma mater. I learned a great deal of lessons at Sacred Heart, even though I was only there for one year because I was focusing on the academics. I was focusing on the skills that I was taught. I was focusing on the lessons that was being instructed to me. But these NBA, well, these college players, where they're traveling all over the country, especially for Division One, they ain't got that much time to be in the classroom. No, absolutely not. I, I, it, it was wrong. It's still wrong because it's still going on. Because not everybody has the motivation to be in school. Not no, not everybody. Look at Ben Simmons. He went to LSU. He didn't give a damn about the academics. He probably didn't give a damn about the, the basketball team. Because from 2005 until now, there were players who were good enough to go into the NBA, in my opinion. Anthony Davis. Ben Simmons. I'll give it to him. Ben Simmons is one of them. What what was a uh, another one? You could I could say Demarcus Cousins was another one. 
Because I, I believe he's the best center in the league at one point. John Wall, he, he, he could have gone straight to the league in my opinion. But I will say this. I do advise that NBA, well, I do advise potential NBA players to, to go to college for at least two years. And here's why. And maybe I'm just old school. Maybe I just don't believe in the D-League, going to the D-League. Well, it's called the G-League now, excuse me. <laughs> or playing overseas. Here's why I do advise it, though. And I'm going to leave it on this. Look at all the great players of today. Now, LeBron is an anomaly. Kobe was an anomaly. KG was an anomaly. Okay? But look at Stephen Curry. Just look at his peers around him. Steph Curry. He did three years at Davidson. Look at Kawhi Leonard. I believe he did two years at San Diego State. Paul George did two years. Damian Lillard, I believe he did more than two years. And even though not all of them achieved great success, there are a few of them, those names that have achieved Good to great success. Look at Kawhi Leonard. Finals MVP in two separate teams. Led Toronto to probably their only championship ever. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul George, one of the best two-way players in the league. Steph Curry, where many people can make the case he's a top 10 player. I would make that case. I could. Damian Lillard. The modern day version of Allen Iverson. The remix, in my opinion. Because in college, it teaches the individual about balance. About structure. Finances. Some of you may not know the story about Shaq. Shaq did three years at LSU, and he was about to leave LSU after his second year, but his stepfather, but Shaq considered him his real dad, he said, the dad said to Shaq, you're not ready. You're not ready. Now, basketball-wise, he was ready, clearly, but financially, he wasn't ready. I believe he he didn't know how to balance a checkbook at that time. So his dad was said to Shaq, "Look, take this year to learn about the essentially the business side, the money side of the NBA, or just in life in general. But obviously, play hard with LSU. So I'm definitely for college basketball." It's a shame that <clears throat> it's not as popular or exciting as it once was. <sighs> but I'm, I'm glad, I hope, that the NBA goes back to the eligibility rule for 18-year-olds. Personally, w once a star athlete graduates from high school, they should be eligible for the NBA, as were someone who wanted to go to the armed forces. You, you, could, you could shoot a gun at 18, but you can't play basketball in the NBA at 17, 18. Cut the crap. Cut it. And you know what? I do want to say this. It, 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 it's, it's not the player's fault that they want to go straight to the NBA. Nobody, no owner is forcing, nobody's forcing the owners to draft these players. Look at Sharif O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal's son. He did basically one year of college, basically. 
And he didn't get drafted. Nobody's forcing the owners to draft these players. And another thing, too, if I if I were the NCAA, if a, if a player doesn't get drafted, I, I would have it so he can't come back. At the very least, come back on a full academic scholarship. That's what I would do. If the college doesn't want to give a spot scholarship-wise for the basketball team, I will at least give an academic scholarship so they can earn their their degree and possibly go out into the quote-unquote real world and <coughs> earn a living. Uh, that's my take on it. I, I, again, I do hope it, it happens within the next two years. It should have never been abolished in the first place. The rules should never been in place from the get-go. I believe that was that was one of David Stern's biggest mistakes and probably most prominent mistakes. But we'll see. We'll, we'll find out within the next two years. Hopefully, we don't get another lockout. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about an affair that has gone on within the Boston Celtics organization. Many of you know who I'm talking about. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back on All In, All Out. Boston Celtics, and that guy is M.A. Udoka. Now, who is M.A. Udoka? Well, first and foremost, he is a former NBA player. He played for the San Antonio Spurs. He was an assistant coach for the Spurs. I believe he was an assistant for the Philadelphia Sixers. Then... Last season, he became the head coach of the Boston Celtics, where in his first season, he led the team to the NBA Finals. Also, he is, uh, as of right now, the boyfriend of Nia Long. Now, for those who don't know Nia Long, and I know my brothers and sisters know who Nia Long is, She's an actress. A damn good one, too. But why am I bringing up M.A. Udoka? And Neil Long, for that matter. For that matter. A fact. Well, as of last week, or a few weeks ago, it was through discovery that M.A. Udoka had a consensual intimate relationship with a female staffer in the Boston Celtics organization. Now, let me just say this right off the bat. I find it funny how the news media, more so the NBA reporters, such as Adrian Wojnarowski and Sean Sharam, Report what was given to them, I presume, consensual intimate relationship. Can, can we just call it what it is? He cheated on his girlfriend, Nia Long. You know, he violated himself as a man. Let's just call it what it is. You know, I, I, I am sick of this notion and this normalization uh, oh, no, that's normal. That's normal. It happens in everyday life. No. It may happen in everyday life, but it don't make it right. 
man, I get so hot about this topic because I grew up with four women and throughout my life in general, I've seen men treat not only the women in my family, but women I know in general like crap. And for some people to say that as normal, it happens. Because I bet if his girlfriend wasn't knee along, nobody would give a damn. Nobody would care. But I care. I care enough for women to stand up and say, M.A. was wrong. He is wrong. And I want to read this statement that M.A. put out once he got caught. And you know what's wicked about that dude? He, The Celtics organization knew what he was doing back in July. We're in September now. And Nia Long reportedly, according to TMZ, she didn't even know. She did not know what was happening. She was left in the dark. And that female staffer in the Boston organization, she handled MA's travel arrangements along with hers. She, even to the point where Nia Long, prior to this news coming out, two weeks prior, that same woman was helping her out with the moving process. And M.A. allowed it. Wicked, evil, a damn disgrace. And because he got caught out, he was suspended for an entire for this up, upcoming entire season. Now, I believe he's never going to coach with the Boston Celtics again. And possibly, he's never going to coach in the NBA again. And here's why I say that part. Because in this world we live in, infidelity is commonplace. It's a damn sad reality, but that's the reality. So, ask yourself, why would the Boston Celtics, or for any NBA team for that matter, suspend someone for an entire season because of infidelity? Why? Could it be possibly that he was harassing her? Could it be possibly that there was a rape involved? Could it be possible that there was some abuse involved? Blackmailing involved? I'm not saying obviously that's happened, but why not just fire M.A.? Why suspend him for an entire season? Because if someone out there thinks that after one season... He could come back and gather all the players and sing Kumbaya. That ain't going to happen. No, that ain't going to happen. But here's why I believe they haven't fired him. Because they obviously know something. And I believe they're getting all the proper proper information. They're likely doing a thorough investigation of the situation and they want to check all their teeth and dot all their lines to make sure that they can even do that from a legal perspective so there won't be any lawsuits. Because Boston, just the city itself, really has a bad history against African Americans. I'm not trying to make this a racial thing, but I'm just putting it into broad context. Look at Bill Russell. The winniest NBA player of all time. But the Celtics fans still treated him like crap to the point where there was a story about when Bill Russell and his daughter came home one night, there was crap in his bed. And the N-word spray painted 
on the walls. So Boston already has that reputation about them. And even current players now, like Kyrie Irving, for example, they got bad things to say about Boston. So that, that's, my, that's my opinion on that, why he hasn't even got fired. Yes, and they're just suspending him for a whole season, which makes no damn sense <laughs> whatsoever, in my opinion. Because what if the Boston Celtics have a great run this year? What if they go back to the finals? What if they go to the Eastern Conference finals? What, you're just going to cut the momentum and say, okay, I mean, you're back in the progress. I mean, you're back in the process to win a championship. No, I don't believe that's going to happen. But <laughs> let's, get, let's get back to this infidelity situation. Hey, here's, here's a statement that M.A. put out after he got caught. Because he got caught. Let's call it what it is. Quote, I want to apologize to our players, fans, and the entire Celtics organization and my family for letting them down. I am sorry for putting the team in this difficult situation, and I accept the team's decision. Out of respect for everyone involved, I will have no further comment. Okay. I don't buy it. I don't think he's genuine. Here's why. The first clause. I want to apologize. So, are you apologizing or not? You see, and I, and I see this in many people who put out these type of statements. Oh, I, I want to say I'm sorry. I want to apologize. Just say I apologize. I want to ask for your forgiveness. Just ask for forgiveness. <laughs> you know, but putting out a statement such as this one shows in the subconscious that M.A.U.Doka is not apologetic or sincere for what he did. He, he just sorrowful, in my opinion. And he said it, I'm sorry but for putting the team in this difficult situation. He's sorry that he got caught. That's plain and simple. And what, what, what else? I'm sorry for putting the team in this difficult situation. Are you really, are you really sorry? Because you shouldn't have thought about that when you were messing with that female staffer. Nerve of this guy. And then Nia Long via TMZ through her rap Shannon Barr. Quote, the outpouring of love. Before I read this, I do want to say it because when I was on Twitter, man, there was so much support for Nia Long. And rightfully so because you know, I, I've never heard anything bad about her in the media. <coughs> she, excuse me. She's a mother. Uh, is a great actress, good to great actress in my opinion. And I'm not just saying that for <clears throat> today's episode, but I do believe she is. You know, going back to Boys in the Hood, there's a and there's a, a movie that I do plan on watching called I believe, Fatal Affair. <clears throat> and it's funny, she's in the music video, oh Kanye West music video with Lupe Fiasco, Touch the Sky. And I find it funny. Well, I found it funny how in her scene, many people on Twitter were saying when, when Nia Long confronts M.A. Udoka. Actually, <laughs> take a listen to the clip. It, it's very, very humorous. Focus on this jump right uh -huh, now. Uh-huh, you want to focus all right, now. You want to focus? Focus on this. Do you know who I am? This is why we why could what? never, this is why we couldn't never work out, Nia. Uh, uh, do you know who I am? I know, I just, oh, I said your name. I all know who right, you well, are. I'm Nia Long. Nia Long. I want you to get it, nigga. What? That's right, girl. I told you. When he get on, he gonna leave your ass for a white girl. What, you want a Barbie? What about all of this? You just want some t- what about the ass?
It's funny. <laughs> it's so funny, man. But going back to this statement, going back. This is from TMZ. Through her rap shed and bar, as I said. Quote, the outpouring of love and support from family, friends, and the community during this difficult time means so much to me. I ask that my privacy be respected as I process the recent events. Above all, I am a mother and will continue to focus on my children. <sighs> okay. So why did I want to talk about this? Why? Because, realize this, y'all, if, if, if any of you didn't know, they started dating in 2010. They got engaged in 2015. And they haven't gotten married since. Now, some of you may think to yourself, well, who cares? They're together. What does that matter? Well, <clears throat> it shouldn't surprise you. It definitely didn't surprise me when this went down because it, if a man and a woman are together for that long and there's no ring on each other's finger fingers, that tells me one thing. That one or both parties are not all in. Because as of right now, as of this moment, Emang and Nia Long could just break up and move on to their lives, to their lives. And at the worst case scenario, Nia Long could ask for child support. Worst case scenario. <clears throat> But other than that, they can move on with their respective lives. If they were to get married and Nia were to ask for divorce, then a lot of money is drawn out. Lawyer fees, splitting the net worth together, determining what goes with who, determining who gets who's raising the child involved. And that's the problem with couples nowadays. And just to give y'all a little backstory, I'm a huge, not huge, but I'm a, I'm a fan of Inyanla Van Zandt. And for those who don't know who she is, she's very popular and first and foremost well known for being in connection with Oprah Winfrey. And for a long time, <clears throat> she had a show called Fix My Life, which I still watch to this day because I learned so much from those shows about communication, about dealing with your past head on, not avoid anything. I understand people better because of that show. It's the most, in my, for me, that show is the most educational show on life for me. Because Iyala, she don't play around. She will give it to you. So if, if you got cable, yeah, if anybody still has cable, <laughs> I, I definitely recommend that you download the own app. If you have Fire Stick, which I, I I would think most people do, download the own app and watch Inyala Van Zandt's Fix My Life because y you will learn so much from that show. And the reason why I bring her up because there were many episodes where couples will be having problems and there will be a breakdown as she would say in the relationship the marriage and the common denominator that I see and I realized this early on in my life as well 
that the common denominator with half, if not the majority of those couples, are they've only dated for a short while. Now, what do you what is short, Ryan? For me, short is anything less than five years. Four to five years. Two years is too short. Three years is too short, in my opinion. And because, or, 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 they date a, a long time, and then they get married. So, because, because in my opinion, here, here's how I, I break down how the relationship, a relationship should be. The first year should be the foundational year. Just, just simply getting to know the person, the pros and the cons, the the love language, their love language, their the likes and and the things they don't like, what they like to do, what they don't like to do, their hobbies. Their, their mindset, their background, the foundation, as I said, the foundation. And then the next two years, you're just taking it a level up. Possibly traveling. Possibly going on, well, definitely going on dates, but not just within the city. <laughs> Another thing within those two years, get to know their family, get to know their friends, their get to know their their acquaintances, get to know their dreams, their admirations, what they inspire to be, and then that fourth and fifth year, that's the stage where. You want to marry that individual, or at least propose to the individual, the guy proposing to the girl, the woman, excuse me. But also in that stage, you really want to lock down and make sure that everything you discussed about within that two to three year, the second to third year, is still concrete. For example, how many kids do we want? Where do we want to live? What sacrifices are we willing to make? Am I willing to live with this person for the rest of my life? Am I willing, <coughs> excuse me, to commit the rest of my life to this one individual? And, and by year four or five, the person should be married. I believe that's how it should be. Not one year, not two years. Now, obviously, there are cases where people get married quickly and they last a long while. So I'm not saying my formula is the right and only formula. But in my opinion, for what I've seen, what I experienced... It should only take that long. If it's too short or if it's too long, I can almost guarantee that infidelity will happen or a breakdown will happen because it should not take nine years, for example, with Brad Penn and Angelina Jolie to get married. It should not take that long. It should not take that long. And now... When they got married in 2014, they essentially got divorced unofficially in 2017. They would have been married for three years. <laughs> you know, Megan Fox and Brian Greene, they were together for five years. Okay, good. They got engaged in 2006, but they didn't get married until 2010. But here's the thing. They got they got engaged two years after 
dating. Two years. Now look what happened. They're divorced. Three kids, divorced. And now she's drinking blood with Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> Yo. Because you gotta give relationships time. You have to give it time. But not long not a long time to the point where the a woman's like saying, you know, are we ever going to get married? Does he really want to commit to me? Uh, ladies, let me tell y'all something. If it takes five, again, it's my opinion. If it takes five years for a guy to marry you or at the very least propose to you, he, he got commitment issues. We got commitment issues, and I, I would just walk away because that will be in the relationship, and it will cause problems. It will. Look at, again, M.A.U. Doka and Nia Long. I give them credit, you know. They were in a relationship for five years in terms of from being in a relationship to getting engaged. But they've been engaged <laughs> for seven years. And they've been dating for, for 12 years. What? That shows a lack of commitment. So when M.A. Udoka did this, it's messed up. Without a doubt. But it did not surprise me at all because there wasn't a commitment, a true commitment. And if you're truly all in, husband to wife and wife to husband, if you're truly all in, this should be a marriage within five years. Within five years, come on. Like most guys know within a year whether they're going to date, I'm just kidding, they're going to marry said woman or not. Now, for women, it takes a lot longer. And that's just statistics. I, I believe that for men, it takes one or two dates to know whether they're going to marry said woman or not. And then for women, it takes 14 to 15 dates. I may have that wrong, but I believe that's what the numbers state. So if it takes more than five years to even pop the question, there's a problem. There's a serious problem in that relationship. And you saw it with M.A. Udoka. Because there wasn't any commitment. I'll say it again. There wasn't any commitment. True commitment. Because they could easily broke, break up. Don't have to worry about splitting things in half. And at the worst case scenario, they would go to court for child support. But again, if they were married, they would have to deal with all of that. That's why, in my opinion, now I'm not saying Kobe Bryant... The great Kobe Bryant didn't love Vanessa. I'm not saying that. But do y'all remember when Vanessa filed for divorce around 2010, 2011? Realize this about the situation. Vanessa was there from the beginning. Before Kobe probably had that deal with Adidas. Yes, Kobe had a shoe deal with Adidas. Vanessa was there for all of that. And Kobe committed infidelity during that rape case back in 2002, 2003, around there. So she's been through it all. So when she filed for divorce back in 2010, 2011, she would have... She would have gotten bank of the Kobe Bryant estate because again she was there through the entire time from the from the jump she was there to the point where Kobe's parents didn't want to deal with him because he married her or had a relationship with her. 
But here's why I bring up that example. Let me ask all of you this question. Do you believe that if Kobe Bryant didn't have all of that success, all of that money, that he would have fought for the marriage? Because in my opinion, Kobe Bryant realized that, man, I, I, I would have, I, I would lose out on so much money if I go through with this divorce. So let me, let me do my damnedest to fix this relationship. Let me try, because I'm gonna lose on a lot of money. I, I remember Drake even had a line referring to that situation in the song with Rick Ross and French Montana, Stay, Stay Scheming. I mean, Kobe would have lost so much money, man. I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. But you see, that's another example. They weren't in a relationship for that long before getting married. So when that infidelity happened, it didn't surprise me. When I obviously researched about it and saw the news about the divorce back in 2010, 2011. Because there needs to be time giving to establish the relationship as a whole and not by lust. Because quite frankly, if relationship, most of the time, ended up, ends up in marriage within a short period of time, is lust. It's lust. Simple as that. So, M.A. Yudoka, I, I, I just hope that you truly Forgive, first off, yourself for doing what you did. And truly forgive Nia Long for putting her in that situation. And obviously forgive your employer for dealing with that situation. But just forgive everyone you affected. Because, and I may have said it earlier, but I'll say it again. I believe the biggest crime a man can do to their woman, girlfriend, is cheat, is commit infidelity. Because there's no going, going back from that. Because that woman, and the same thing for men too, if the woman cheats on the man, there's no going back from that. Because that person who was on the receiving end of the infidelity will never, and I don't give a damn what anyone says, will never, ever trust that person again. Never, it'll never happen. And without trust, there is no relationship. Plain and simple. So, I wish them to, I wish the family, man, I feel bad for the boy too. God, you, Imagine seeing your father in the news for doing that to his, his mother. <sighs> horrible. Horrible. I don't wish that on nobody. Nobody. Mm -hmm. So I wish the both of them, I wish their family <sighs> blessings, truly. And we'll see what happens. As I said, basketball-wise, I believe he's done. In terms of coaching, at, at least with the Boston Celtics, I'm pretty sure after he gets cleared with the Celtics, another coach will hire him, unless there's some crazy detail we don't know about, which I suspect, because he did lead the team to the NBA Finals in his first year. So he can't coach, without a doubt. I... In terms of his relationship, I'm gonna leave that alone because many things can happen. My gut tells me that 
that'll separate. That would be my gut, but I, I doubt it. But that was my that's what my gut instinct tells me. But again, as Neil Long said, respect for privacy. Same thing for Ime Udoka. Res respect the people involved, and we'll leave it at that. But it's a damn shame, though. Damn shame. Especially to Neil Long, too, man. And as a brother, and I mean, as a black guy, why do that to our sisters, man? Not that it makes it wrong or more wrong, more right for other ethnic backgrounds, but black people, black women already get it bad enough from brothers. And it's just unfortunate because she's in the, the spotlight and very well known that she got to deal with this. It's, it's wrong. It's wrong for any woman in general. Black, white, Asian. It's crazy. Well, that's all I got for today. I hope that all of you enjoyed, enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to give it a five, give the show a five-star rating. Leave a comment if your heart desires. You can follow me on any of my social media platforms. I'll be in the description below. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, stay blessed. This is what I am. Thank you.